Hello, New Anthem Church. My name is Paul Brandis, and I serve as the chaplain at Sterling College just up the road from you all in Sterling, Kansas. In addition, I am working with Caleb Barrows, and and we're partnering with New Anthem Church in Synergy, Kansas, to plant a church in Lyons, Kansas, which is just 10 miles north of Sterling. And I'm so glad to be with you today, though my heart is breaking that we cannot be together in person. I desperately wish we could be doing this with one another, gathered as God's people uh, in the gymnasium that you all gather in. I had the privilege of attending and visiting New Anthem Church when Caleb preached last fall, uh, and it is so generous in my view for Landon to extend the offer for me to preach a sermon to you all, especially in the midst of these strange and difficult times. Uh, my hope and prayer is that uh, today's message encourages you. We all always need encouragement, but I think in a moment like this, it's desperately needed even more. And so I wonder if I can ask you to join me in prayer and ask for God's blessing upon this time, exploring his word together, and that it might encourage our hearts and souls. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you again for this opportunity to join with this gathered uh, group of uh, individuals, these, these followers of Jesus and those that are exploring your son Jesus, Lord, at New Anthem Church. And I wish it was in person, but we're grateful for technology and the ability uh, to gather uh, virtually. I'm also grateful for Landon, who so generously is offering this opportunity uh, to me to preach. And I pray, Lord, as uh, John the Baptist said, that, that I would decrease as you increase as we spend time in your word looking uh, there to see what it is that you might have for us today. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've noticed like I have, but I really think that Mr. Rogers is having a moment. Uh, yeah, you, you heard me right. Mr. Rogers is having a moment. Uh, let's look at some of the evidence. Uh, just a couple of years ago, in 2018, there was a, a best-selling uh, biography that came out about Mr. Rogers called The Good Neighbor. Uh, in addition to that, in 2018, there was a documentary that was made that, that I'm going to be honest, it was so good that it made me cry really hard, so hard that one of my contact lenses uh, fell out. And if you need any more evidence that Mr. Rogers is having a moment right now, then look no farther than just last year, 2019, when Tom Flippin' Hanks played Mr. Rogers in a movie. I don't think there's any doubt. Right now, 2018, 2019, 2020... Mr. Rogers is having a moment. I mean, even I've gotten a couple emails from the New York Times that were drenched in news about the coronavirus. But in the midst of that, there was an article about Mr. Rogers' spouse as people had approached her saying, what would he offer us in the midst of this time, in the midst of this moment? Mr. Rogers is having a moment, but that's a little bit curious. And we must ask the question, why is that? Why is he having a moment and, and why now? It would make some sense if he had just passed away, but Mr. Rogers departed from us in 2003. That was 17 years ago. Why is it that right now Mr. Rogers is having a moment? And I wonder if to help us answer that question, we might journey along with one of Mr. Rogers' friends named Tom Junod. Uh, Tom wasn't uh, originally a friend of of Mr. Rogers from childhood or anything like that. In fact, uh, their friendship was born in an unlikely manner. Uh, Tom was a journalist. In the 1990s, he was working for the magazine Esquire, and they were doing a feature on heroes, and Tom was assigned Mr. Rogers, and he went into that assignment with skepticism. Is this guy really 
as, as cookie-cutter good as he seems to be. He went in with a lot of skepticism. He came out and he wrote a piece in 1998, and it blew everybody's socks off. In fact, the, the, bi, uh, the biopic with Tom Hanks is loosely based on the journey of this journalist, Tom, and his relationship and eventual friendship with Mr. Rogers. And he wrote a follow-up piece when the movie came out that dropped in the Atlantic just last year. And there was a particular quote from this Atlantic article that just stuck with me once I read it, and I think helps us answer the question of why Mr. Rogers is having a moment right now. Here's the quote. Fred was, let's not forget, a rather peculiar man. And it's not just his goodness, but rather the peculiarity of his goodness that has made him, 17 years after his death, triumphant as a symbol of human possibility. Although just about everything that he stood for has been lost. End quote. I love that quote. I love the the sentiment that is expressed there. Mr. Rogers was so uniquely good and so uniquely stood for goodness that he really did become a symbol of human possibility. That phrase, human possibility, it brings to mind a question for me. What if everyone in the world lived as Mr. Rogers did? What if everyone in the world lived as Mr. Rogers did? But you know it's the last sentence in that quote that I think helps us understand why Mr. Rogers is having a moment now. That sentence reads this way, just about everything that he stood for has been lost. You know, I agree with Tom. I agree with Mr. Rogers' friend as he submits that the world that we're living in today in 2020 is just a bit different than who Mr. Rogers was and what he stood for. Uh, Maybe you grew up like I did watching his shows or maybe you're just familiar with who he is as a cultural icon. My guess is that you know that Mr. Rogers stood for goodness, for kindness, for inclusion, for beauty, for warmth, that he was never in a rush, that he, he took time and bent down with every child that he came into contact with. When I look around the world today, I don't see a ton of that. Now, I agree with Tom as well. Just about everything that he stood for has been lost. He, he didn't write that everything that he stood for has been lost in total. If you look hard enough, there are some bits of beauty in the midst of our brokenness. But now, in, in 2019, as we globally fight a pandemic, there's a lot of brokenness to be seen, isn't there? And I'm glad for the bits of beauty still in the midst of that. I've, I've found solace in John Krasinski's Some Good News. I don't know if you've seen that on YouTube. I've been taking in those episodes with my wife, and we've been enjoying those, that, that, that brilliance that's splitting through the hard times that we're all living in. The hard moments like this bring out often the worst in who we are horrible headlines of tragedy and and death and and then division and anger and blaming so much blaming whose fault is this so much finger pointing so little love so little kindness so little goodness truly just about everything that mr rogers stood for has been lost 
So, so why? Why is he having a moment and why now? I want to submit to you that I think it's because we desperately in this moment, 2020, even in the midst of this pandemic, as the New York Times is proving by going to his wife to ask what he would say, we need him and what he stood for. That's why he's having a moment now. And since we need him, I thought it would be wise if we listened to what he had to say. Uh, there's one of my favorite examples comes from 1997. Uh, Mr. Rogers was receiving a lifetime achievement award, a lifetime achievement award from the Emmys. I don't, I don't know if you've, you've heard of them, the Emmys. They're, they're kind of a big deal. I don't, I don't have one. I don't know if you do. And this wasn't just a one-time Emmy. This was a lifetime achievement award Emmy. They don't just give those out. But they were giving one out to Mr. Rogers in 1997. And they gave it to him and the whole audience rose to their feet as he walked towards the stage in, in raucous applause of this man that they all admired and probably wished that they could be in terms of his kindness and his charity. And he gets to, to the platform, he gets to the podium, he's about to begin his speech and he says a couple words, kind, understated, and then instead of dominating the whole of his time with a speech, he says, I want to ask you a question. And I want to give you time to answer it. This man was on national television in front of millions of people, and instead of take the time for himself, he wanted to offer the audience and the listeners, the viewers, and then us via YouTube so many years later, a question. And then he really did take 10 plus seconds on live TV to let the people answer this question. Here it is. Who has loved you into being? Who has loved you into being? He asks the question and then he says, I'll give you 10 seconds. I'll watch the clock. And people think that he's, he's kidding, but then he looks down at his watch and they realize that he's not and the camera pans out across the best and be most beautiful in Hollywood and tears are in their eyes as they answer this question from Mr. Rogers. Who has loved you into being? It's a brilliant, brilliant question for at least three reasons. The first reason that I think this is a brilliant question is because it rejects any assumption that we can be completely self-made. We are not self-made creatures. As much as the American story is about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and believing that, that we can do it all ourselves, no one, not even those that have risen to the highest heights among us, did it by themselves. Ask any great person how they got to where they are, and I guarantee a part of their story is that others helped them along the way. The idea that we can be completely solo, that we can be completely self-made, is just, just isn't true. And baked into the core of this question, who has loved you into being, is that truth. We are not self-made. The second reason I think that this is a brilliant question is because it fronts love. Who has loved you into being? It fronts love. Love is, is so important. It's at the center of the universe. It's, it's a bit of a complicated word. Maybe we don't think of that often, but for us, it's a junk drawer word. And, and here's what I mean by that. We throw so much into it. In one day, I can say, I, I love orange chicken from Panda Express, and, and who among us doesn't agree? 
And then I can go home and I can say to my, my two sons, Bevan and Owen, I love you. And it's the same word. How is it that I can use the same word for both my affection for some chicken with some orange sauce on it and, and then my sons who mean more to me in the world than almost anyone else? How is it? Other languages, other cultures have multiple words to describe the, the things that we use one word, love, to describe. So what kind of love is Mr. Rogers talking about? Well, I think it's the type of love that is at the center of the universe. You see, I believe at the center of the universe, and maybe you do too, that there is, there is God. And not just, just God, but God in the Trinity. Uh, the Trinity, that's a tough one. Uh, the best and brightest minds have wrestled with that for years and years, and I'm nowhere near the best and the brightest. But God as the Trinity, God three in one, one being three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God who has existed before everything else and who from everything came. God who is at the center of the universe. God who is in the Trinity in perfect loving relationship with himself between the three members of the Godhead love is at the center of the universe without the Trinity we don't have love at the center of the universe we just have power and control and and make no mistake God the Trinity is the most powerful being in the universe but even before power God is love and he exists perfectly in the Trinity. And so that is that perfect, connected love and relationship at the center of the universe. That's what's there. And I think that is the type of love that Mr. Rogers is talking about. The other reason I love, why I so am grateful that love is at the beginning of this question is because it reminds us that we don't shame people into being. We don't yell people into being. We don't guilt people into being. We don't beat people into being. The most effective way to shape and form someone is to sacrificially love them. So we're not self-made. That's why this is a brilliant question. It puts love at the center. That's why this is a brilliant question. And here's the third reason. Who has loved you into being? Being. Maybe you're like me and you forget that you're a human being, not a human doing. Now, yes, what we do is, of course, important, and God cares desperately about that. But you're a human being before you do anything. And so this question, it, it fronts being, and it reminds us that we are before we do. So I love this question from Mr. Rogers, and in fact... I love it so much that I want to give you not just 10 seconds to answer it, but I want to give you an entire minute, 60 seconds of silence to ponder your answer to this question. Who is it in your life that has loved you into being?
I wonder, who did you think about? And maybe you spent a lot of time with one of your grandparents growing up and they were especially kind to you. Or, or maybe an older sibling really invested in you and you didn't have kind of the, the typical uh, sibling rivalry relationship, but it was a, a relationship of love and care and investment. Maybe you thought of your mom or dad. Or, or maybe a teacher saw something in you before you saw it in yourself. Or a coach brought out the best in you on the practice field and then got you to live into that on game day. I know for me, I thought of my wife, Ashley. I thought of my mom. But I think I especially thought of my dad. My dad is one of the kindest and most caring and loving individuals I've ever had the privilege of knowing. If I could be half the man that Dave Brandis is one day, I wish you could meet him. Maybe one day you'll be able to. I thought of story after story of how my dad has loved me into being. Here's, here's just a quick one. It has to do with my car. I had this Prius for a number of years. Actually, my dad helped me buy that Prius. Just another example of how he's invested in me. And a couple of years ago, actually just a year ago, it died. It died on me completely. And, and when I have car trouble, I call my dad. I wasn't looking for help necessarily, just a listening ear. And my dad gave me that. He, he listened to me as I complained about this frustrating turn of events. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do and X, Y, Z. And at the end of the call, he said, well, hey, let me talk to your mom. But he said, I didn't think that Prius was long for the road anyway. I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did. And I've been thinking about that. And, and I think my mom, your mom and I, I think we want to give you the Camry. It's like, I, I was overblown in that moment. It's like, Dad, what are you talking about? You have to give me a car? Like, that's not why I'm calling. Oh, I know, I know. But, but we, we want to do that. And they did. He drove down from where they, were, where they live in the Chicagoland area to where I was living at the time in the Kansas City area. We met at the airport. He gave me the keys and the title. And he flew back home. I didn't deserve that grace. But it helped love me into being. About a week after he gave me the car, I got into a fender bender in it. And the kicker is that I hadn't switched off of my dad's insurance. Oh man, I was heartbroken and and so upset that I had made this mistake and I called him and he wasn't even angry at me. And I certainly didn't deserve that mercy. The grace of getting the car I didn't deserve and the mercy of not getting the anger that I did deserve because of crashing it and making his insurance rates go up. That's who Dave Brandis is. And his investment in me over years has made me who I am today. Who has loved you into being? Now go with me for a second because I want to submit something to you. I'm so grateful that God has given you the people that you thought about. Uh, Every single one of them that came to your mind as you answered that question, they are a gift. And I would encourage you to reach out to them today and encourage them by telling them that you thought of them. A pastor asked me this question, who has loved me into being? And I thought of you. Thank you for your investment in my life. They need that encouragement. I guarantee it. But what I want to suggest to you is that those people are like signposts. And we know what a good signpost does. It points the way to something else. And as important as as those people are, and as as grateful as I am that you have them in your life, I want to humbly suggest to you that, that they are signposts that are pointing to you, pointing the way to the person that has most loved you into being. To the person that has most loved you into being. Everyone that you thought about is pointing, in my view, to Jesus. And what I want to humbly submit to you is that no one has loved you into being more 
than Jesus. No one has loved you into being more than Jesus. Now, don't just take my word for it, right? I wouldn't want you to do that. But in God's word, the Bible, I believe that we find this. And I believe we find this beautifully in my favorite book of the Bible, which is a letter to the church in Colossae written by the Apostle Paul. The book of Colossians chapter 1 contains some of the most beautiful verses that are penned about our Savior Jesus Christ. And I think these verses, as we walk through them, will show what I've tried to submit to you, that no one has loved you into being more than Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles or if you've got your phone, you can click there. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, English Standard Version and you can follow along with me. We're going to begin in verse 15. And a lot of scholars think that these were some of the first words that were written down about Jesus in the church and that they may have been even set to song and that the church may have sung these verses as a sort of hymn proclaiming what they believed to be true about Jesus. And we stand in that long tradition if we're followers of Jesus, believing these things to be true. And let's discover what it is that that God has for us about His Son, Jesus, in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created. For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things, all things were created through Him and for Him. Now stop there with me for a moment because we find the first way in which Jesus has loved us into being. The magnitude of this in verses 16 and 17 as we find out that through Jesus, God created everything. So Jesus first created you into being. Quite literally, you would not be sitting here today watching this on your computer or your phone or if you've hooked up to your TV, whatever method you're taking this sermon in, you wouldn't be if Jesus had not created you into being. You exist Because Jesus created you. So the first way in which Jesus has loved you into being is that he created you into being. And I'm so glad that he did. And he is so glad that he did. Through Jesus, God created you. Jesus created you into being. Continue with me. And Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Stop again there. In Him, all things hold together. This is stunning. Not only did Jesus create you and create everything that we can see and everything that we can't see, right now Jesus holds you into being. He holds this entire world into being. So Jesus created you into being, but He also holds you into being. He sustains you into being. You do exist and you are a being because Jesus created you and you continue as a being because he holds you and he sustains you into being. You know, this might seem strange, but but Colossians 1.17, which reminds us that Jesus holds the entire world into being, it reminds me of, well, the Avengers. The Avengers. I'm not sure if you're one of the everyone else that saw the Avengers movies, 
uh, but I did. And in the first of the two-parter, right, I don't even remember the name of it, but where they're all finally going to fight Thanos, they've been marching this 11-year journey uh, since uh, the first Iron Man came out back in 2008, and they're about to fight Thanos. And Thor has to go to some far-off planet, I don't remember the name, and he's got the raccoon with him, and he's got to go make Stormbreaker, this massive weapon, and they make it from a star, and there's all these details, and there's this moment in that scene, maybe you remember it, where he has to hold a forge together, and he has to take the full power of a star, because, it, I don't know, it's broken or something, so Thor has to hold the forge together, and he, he's gripping it, and he's holding it, and he's taking the full power of a star, and it almost kills him. It almost kills him. Maybe you remember that moment in the movie. <laughs> I mean, Thor is, is the god of thunder, right? He's holding a forge together and it almost kills him. Right now, in this moment, this is not exaggeration, right now in this moment, Jesus just isn't holding a forge together. Jesus is holding the entire world together. And it's not almost killing him because Jesus already submitted himself to death, did he not? And death even still couldn't hold him as he rose again three days later. And this is why Jesus is always going to be better than superheroes. (laughs) Thor is supposed to be a god, the god of thunder, and he can't even hold a forge together. I mean, I can't either, right? But Thor can't hold a forge together. But Jesus right now in this moment is holding the entire world together including you. Jesus created you into being. Jesus sustains you into being. But that's not all. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Jump down with me to verse, I'm sorry, at the beginning of verse 18, we find another way. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. So Jesus created you into being. Jesus holds you into being. And we find out that if you're a follower of Jesus and you're part of his family, you're part of the church, then Jesus leads you into being. Jesus leads you into being because he is the head of the church. He's in charge of it. Uh, You may have thought that Landon was in charge of your church, but he's not. And Caleb and myself, we won't be in charge of King's Cross Church either. Jesus is in charge of all of our churches. Jesus is the head of our body. Jesus leads us into being. Those of us that serve as pastors, we're nothing but under-shepherds of the great shepherd who laid down his life for us, the sheep. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're in his family. His family is the church. There's all these metaphors in scripture that talk about the church in different ways. And one of those is a body. And that's what Paul is talking about here. And Jesus is the head of the body. He's the great shepherd of the flock. He's the older brother in our family. He is the leader. He is the leader. So if you're part of the church, Jesus is leading you into being as you are a part of that community which forms you and shapes you. Hopefully some of the people that you thought about when I asked you the Mr. Rogers question of who has loved you into being are part of your church family. Maybe you thought of Landon. Well, Landon serves at the pleasure of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. So Jesus created you into being. He holds you and he sustains you into being. And if you're part of the church, then he leads you into being. But that's not all. That's not all. Jump with me to verses 19 
through 22. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Fourthly and finally, if you're a follower of Jesus, then he has reconciled you into being. Uh, Reconcile means to bring harmony to something that was disharmonious. Uh, Reconcile means to to bring order to something that was disordered. Reconciled means to, to put back together something that was broken. And friends, you and I, we are broken. There is dissonance inside of each one of us. There is a gap inside of each one of us. I wonder, do you feel that? Do you feel the gap in your life between who you want to be and who you actually are? Between the way you want to live and the way you actually live, do you feel that gap? Do you feel that brokenness deep inside yourself? Do you sense that there is something just not quite right within you? The Bible says that that is there because of sin. Sin, which is rebellion against God and His ways. Sin, which is trying to live life apart from the author of life, which is God. Sin, which leads us nowhere good, but everywhere bad. The gap in your life, the brokenness in your life, the dissonance in your life, it is there because of sin, And eventually it kills you. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. That is what the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 3. But it doesn't have to be that way because there is a reconciler. There is someone who can make it right again. There is someone who can put it back together. Humpty Dumpty has broken within each one of us, but there is someone that knows how to fit the pieces back together again and bring about reconciliation within us and then through us. And that someone is Jesus. And as Colossians 1 reminds us, he did this work of reconciliation on the cross because you see, Jesus lived the life that you and I were supposed to live but couldn't. And then Jesus, even though he didn't deserve it, he gave himself up to death on that cross. On that cross with his hands stretched out and nails uh, pounded into them. The nails that I deserve, the nails that you deserve, the cross that we deserve, the death that we deserve, Jesus willingly went there on his own so that he could accomplish a pathway towards reconciliation. If you trust in Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, then he has reconciled you into being. And the truth is that we will never fully live the life that we were created to live without the reconciliation of Jesus. We just won't. It will always be a shadow of what it was supposed to be. But reconciliation is possible by trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus created you into being. Jesus, he holds you into being. Jesus, he he leads the church. He leads you and the church into being and, and he's reconciled you into being. Why does he do all this? 
The most famous verse in the Bible tells us so. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus creates you into being, holds you into being, leads you into being, and reconciles you into being. John 3.16 reminds us all because of love. Not duty, but delight, enjoyment, love. So when Mr. Rogers asks the question, who has loved you into being... I'm convinced that we find in Colossians 1 strong evidence that no one has loved us into being more than Jesus. Now, if you're watching this and you're listening to this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I still think that that's true. Now, I believe that, that Jesus has only leading in the church and reconciled those who have surrendered to Him. So if you're not a Christian, then He's not yet leading you in the church into being. And He has not yet reconciled you into being. But, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're sitting on your couch, you're sitting at your kitchen table watching this, because He created you into being. And He's allowing you to exist. He's sustaining you into existence and into being because of His love for you. So even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I still think this statement is true. No one has loved you into being more than Jesus. And I wonder, do you feel that gap within yourself? Might it be time for you to consider allowing Jesus to reconcile you? Might it be time for you to consider allowing Jesus to to lead you, to join His family, to join the church? Might it be time to consider those things? I know Pastor Landon would love to talk to you about that. You know, I started this message with a question. What if the whole world lived like Mr. Rogers? That might be pretty great. Uh, He died 17 years ago, so we can't ask him that question. What if the whole world lived like you, Mr. Rogers? Wouldn't that be awesome? But if we could, if we could ask that question... I bet he'd deflect. I bet he wouldn't take any credit for the life he lived. I bet he'd talk about his wife or his sons. I bet he'd talk about his mother and father or the other people that have loved him into being. And I bet, I bet he'd talk about Jesus and how Jesus has loved him into being. Because you see, Mr. Rogers was a deeply committed follower of Jesus. Mr. Rogers oriented and built his entire life around the way of Jesus. I know that Mr. Rogers would say that nobody has loved him into being more than Jesus. And so maybe a different question is appropriate. Maybe instead of what would the world be like if everybody lived like Mr. Rogers, the question we should be asking is what would the world be like if we all lived like Jesus? Close with me in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for all of the people that have loved us into being. Thank you most of all for Jesus, your son who you sent to us because of your great love for the world. And thank you that he created us into being, that he holds us into being, that he leads us into being, and that he reconciles us into being. May we rest in him. We pray all this in his name. Amen.
Thank you so much, New Anthem Church and Pastor Landon, for letting me be with you virtually today. Again, I wish that it could have happened in person, but I'm glad that I got to gather with you this way. Thank you as well for your support of King's Cross Church up in Lyons. Our website is kingscrosslyons.org, and we'd love for you to visit there. Let myself or Caleb Barrows know if you have any questions about what we're doing and how you can be involved. Thanks so much again.